Welcome to the Seriously Social Podcast with your host, Simone Douglas. Today's guest is Julian Carbone, local councillor in the Burnside City Council. He and Simone talk local politics, social media, and how the increasing cost of living space impacts demographics. Okay, so I'm joined today on the Seriously Social podcast by Julian Carbone, who is a councillor at Burnside City Council. Julian, thanks for joining me today. Simone, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. So perhaps you could give us the Cliff Notes version as to how you ended up in council and here today. Yeah, it's a it's a long story, mm-hmm. but I'll give you the the short version, yeah. of course, because today we're we're limited for time. Mm-hmm. It all it all started with a school report uh, back in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Okay, so long time ago, mm-hmm. and our teacher asked us to do a a report on a political issue, any political issue you like, local, state, federal, go for it. And I remember all my fellow students going for the big federal issues, you know, Mabo and immigration and all those things. And at the time, in the local paper, you know, in the mm-hmm. Messenger, of course, there was a big controversy over the new Burnside Library redevelopment. It was going to cost about $15 million, yeah. and uh, it became very political because, of course, there was two parties mm-hmm. that were that were um, had views on the, on the library. So I figured, well, why go federal, why well, go state? I'll go for something right in my own backyard. Yeah. So I went along to council meetings, I spoke to the mayor, spoke to all the councillors. Mm-hmm. Um, I then did my own uh, market research. So I was going around and door knocking people's homes and doing surveys, you know, in Burnside Village yeah. and so forth to get a bit of a feel for what people wanted and so forth. And uh, I suppose I was, I was hooked yeah. from that point on. And I remember, I remember the exact moment. I was having coffee with, a, with another councillor mm-hmm. um, who sadly has actually since passed away. But uh, we're having coffee in her home talking about the library. And, uh, and she actually asked me, you know, would you consider running for council? And I remember at that moment, because I would have been 17, yeah. and I thought, oh, you know, I, I, I never would have thought of it. And, uh, and it's only until someone actually asks you, mm. oh, would you be interested in doing something like this? Yeah. Um, that's, that's where it all started. So, uh, so that was 1999. I ran in 2003. That was the, the, sort of the yep. next election that I was ready for. Uh, didn't quite get on. Mm-hmm. I, I just missed out. But then the next election was 2006 mm-hmm. and, uh, and I got on. Fantastic. So you've been on council for quite some time then? Uh, no, not quite. Not quite. No, no. Yes, yes. Yeah, we'll call it a break. We'll yeah. call it a break. But uh, no, of course, elections, yeah. democracy. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've won elections. I've, I've lost elections. Okay. Uh, so yes, there has been a couple of breaks in between. How, how have you seen um, the political landscape during an election change with the advent, you know, of digital media and social media? Like what's been the impact when you're running a campaign? Oh, tell you what, it's it's actually, that's a great question, because I do often compare, say, the 2006 election mm-hmm. to, say, the last election, which was 2018, yeah. and how different it was and how my campaigning changed and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, digital media, yeah, social media was 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 front and centre yeah. of, uh, of my campaign in 2018. Mm-hmm. In fact, my, my campaign t-shirts and caps and so forth, yeah. uh, my, my sort of name and council was a little bit secondary. Yeah. It was actually my Facebook handle. 
that ah, was the prominent yep. prominent feature because yep. I want people to remember that yep. rather than almost my surname or mm -hmm. you know, which counsellor was and so forth. Just remember the handle and everything else will make sense after that. Yeah, so that, that was a sense. big thing. But uh, generally speaking, I would say the workload has also uh, increased yeah. over that time. Um, people, you know, they're paying a lot of money in rates, mm -hmm. um, especially now we've got to be conscious of, of money being spent and so forth. Mm -hmm. So people demand value. Yes. And I'm getting a lot more phone calls from residents um, a lot more, a lot more demands put on mm -hmm. myself than say back in 2006 when people, you know, they might phone you from time to time if there was an issue. Yeah. But now the workload has has probably doubled uh, in that time. Do you find that the boundaries have blurred too, to a certain degree, between you know personal and professional in terms of that expectation of almost 24/7 access? Well, yes, yes, definitely with social media. Um, I mean, people aren't going to call you, mm. you know, in the middle of the night. No. Uh, but they are going to tag you in a post yes. and they are going to write to you and so forth with yeah. a direct message and so forth. Absolutely. So, uh, yes, yes, definitely. And also probably with uh, just with text messages yeah. and so forth, people tend to, you know, send those at all hours. So. They do seem to be happy to text you at three o'clock in the morning. Yes, like yes. They think, oh, I won't disturb you. I'll just text you. But, uh, mm. but the phone's right there, so it does yeah. wake you up. Well, and I think it's that thing too, like we tend to use our mobile phones as alarm clocks. So uh, I was reading an article somewhere the other day that people generally will have reached for their smartphone within 15 minutes of waking. Um, if you me, it's within 0.2 seconds because you want to see what you've missed out on the night before, what's happened or changed. Mm, mm. Um, but I guess one of the other things that I'm curious about is obviously, you know, Burnside's a very well-established council, well-known council probably in Adelaide. Um, what do you think are the challenges within um, that council area for businesses and business owners right now? Yeah, well, to be honest, most of my uh, concerns come from from residents, okay. not yeah. to not businesses as such. Yeah, uh, and I say the the we have a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of issues, but fundamentally, we are an inner inner suburb council. Yeah. Okay, so we're obviously on the other side of Victoria Park, so mm -hmm. we're very close to the city. Yeah. Uh, the cost of land is is huge. Mm. Uh, I think it rained, uh, is around about sort of $1,200 a square metre. So wow. just, just for land, yeah. we're talking big dollars. Yeah. So we are, you know, there is a, there's this constant shift. Mm -hmm. uh, people, you know, like uh, often it's, you know, your, our grandparents, yep. you know, grandma, grandpa, they've got uh, a small three bedroom home mm -hmm. on a thousand square meter block of land. Okay, that generation, are, you know, are, are dying. Yeah. And so people are buying up these big blocks of land mm -hmm. and putting two or three homes on yeah, them. So we are maybe. we are noticing a big increase in our in our population, mm -hmm. uh, and a big reduction in the uh, in the amount of open space. Yeah, and I guess that's one of the challenges because you know Burnside has some lovely open space areas like Burnside swimming pool and the parklands all around there. Um, do you think that over time there's going to be increasing pressure on planning departments and councils to kind of review and reframe some of the planning approvals and guidelines they are constantly reviewing yeah. uh, the, the planning guidelines but at the end of the day we are very close to the city mm. um, and the cost of land is very very high yeah. so people tend to not put a value on their backyard 
yeah. as they used to once upon a time. They'd rather a, a court, courtyard mm -hmm. home uh, for a million dollars compared to, you know, maybe a, a large block of land, same sized house for, for 1.5. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so I think, you know, it's always interesting to have conversations with people about what they've seen um, as the impact of COVID-19 and the restrictions. You know, obviously we're very lucky in South Australia. We touch wood come through reasonably unscathed compared to perhaps Victoria or, you know, some of the other eastern states in particular. Um, but, you know, what are some of the concerns that residents and people have come to you with that it, when we were dealing with shutdown and things like that? I probably, probably the biggest concern we had, which seems a little, a little, trivial mm -hmm. given what's going on around the world yeah. with you know a lot of uh, high death rates and yeah. so forth but um, as, a, as a council I suppose uh, you know speaking personally mm -hmm. the uh, the biggest the biggest change we saw um, and the one that caused the most phone calls to myself and so mm -hmm. forth was the fact that we just shut down um, our public spaces oh, so the yeah. pool the library yeah. uh, playgrounds all mm -hmm. those sorts of things uh, when things were really bad mm -hmm. we had to just shut them down mm -hmm. So people were even more isolated. They couldn't go to work. They had to stay at home, mm. and uh, and they might have you know gone to you know the library to hire a, a book or a DVD yeah. or, or something, or you know taking their children to a playground. Because mm -hmm. uh, what else can you do when you're stuck, when you're at, stuck home? at home? Yeah. And uh, so that that was something that caused caused uh, yeah quite a bit of concern. That's now changed, of course. Um, and uh, things are improving, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think though that speaks back to that challenge you were saying about people not placing value on their backyards anymore Ooh. in terms of we have those smaller, more dense housing, you know, um, things happening. And then you have something like this happen where you can't access those public spaces or likewise you couldn't access the gym. So one of my friends owns um, like a gym and, you know, she was saying that fitness equipment just flew off the shelves and sold mm, out. You mm. couldn't get hold of a kettlebell to save yourself. And I got really lucky in that I just purchased a whole heap of gym equipment, I think three weeks before this all went pear-shaped. Um, but do you think that we're all forever going to be stuck with weighing up the cost of land per square metre and usable space and quality of life? Like, are we going to end up being... You know, the likes of New York, for argument's sake, where kids never step foot on grass and, you know, don't actually have a concept of climbing a tree. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's something we deal with every day. Yeah. It's, it's complicated. I mean, as long as... It's, it's supply and demand. Mm -hmm. As long as the population continue, continues to rise, mm -hmm. um, because Adelaide keeps growing, growing, growing. Yeah. So you've got people, you know, living out at uh, two worlds now, yeah. and that's considered, you know, almost metropolitan it's Adelaide. Good. You know, so, uh, expressway yeah, now. Is that's right, that's right. So that's now. that's what we're looking at as far yeah. as Adelaide. So And, of course, Burnside is, you know, a, a kilometre out of the city. Yeah. So, you know, are we going to become... And New York and all the yeah. apartment buildings one day, uh, just you know, one k out of the city. Well, I suppose probably, yeah. Eventually, all you got to do is look at Sydney mm. and Melbourne and look at the inner inner suburb um, councils there and what they look like and what yeah. they feel like. I mean, we don't want to. Mm. You know, I don't. I don't 
that's sort of that's not something that I want. Yeah. You know, and I want to live in Burnside all my life. And, mm. Well, I have, and I want to continue to live there. And I want a nice big backyard with yeah. trees and room to play and mm. so forth, and wash the car on weekends. You you want you want space. We all yeah. want space, but uh, but space is now coming at a cost. It is. And it's very high. Um, and of course, we've got a lot of uh, you know foreign investment mm-hmm. coming into coming into the states. A lot of people coming from overseas. Yeah. So we've got population growth here mm-hmm. in Adelaide. We've got population growth across the country. Yeah. Uh, and as a as a world, mm-hmm. we are increasing our population. So the supply is fixed. Yeah. You know we can't make more land in Burnside. We've, no. What we have, we have, and uh, and the demand just keeps going up and up and up yeah. and. Uh, well, we we, we know where it's heading, but anyway, but that that's that's for the future. Yeah. That's that's you know, twenty, fifty, hundred years time. Yeah. What we're trying to deal with is what sort of Burnside do we want now mm-hmm. that that we can deal with. Yeah. And uh, so we're putting you know laws around you know protecting protecting our significant trees oh, and yeah, so forth. We are lobbying the state government to you know keep open space requirements in place. You know, mm-hmm. good good open space yeah. requirements in place. So we're doing all we can to make the best for Burnside now. Yeah, which I think is, you know, tricky in terms of you have to, like you said, look at today, look at five years' time, and then you probably go as far as 20 as a maximum in terms of ongoing strategic plan for the council. Um, Actually, that's a good question. So where is the strategic plan for the council up to in terms of years? Uh, 2030. 2030? 2030. Yeah, so, so, yeah. And oddly enough, that was only endorsed last night. So, oh, really? uh, good timing. Yeah, that's excellent timing. Um, I, suppose, I suppose one other thing yeah. I've noticed, just sort of thinking about uh, living trends mm-hmm. and so forth, just, uh, just in my time uh, in council, we've noticed, and of course, just in Burnside, we've noticed, uh, you know, I mean, of course, uh, knock down build two, mm-hmm. that's a given. But we've also noticed a lot more people living in apartment buildings. Yeah. So in uh, just in the last you know, 10, 20 years, mm-hmm. we've now got the air apartment building. Yep. Okay, so that's oh, gone yeah. from an office block to mm-hmm. residential. Yep. We've now got the Queen Victoria apartments. Mm-hmm. So that's gone from a hospital to a residential, a residential mm. apartment building. So that's, that's a big shift. Mm. And we've also got the new uh, Cedar Woods estate in Glenside. Yeah. Uh, which is which is a, a bit of a lights view style yeah. sort of living arrangement. So so there again m- more obvious noticeable trends mm. as to where things are heading. Well, and just, I think, just in Burnside, I think too it's like in general cost of living. So an apartment's more cost effective. Um, you've like got less floor space to take care of, less electricity needs, all of those kinds of things. So. Oh look, that sort of style mm. of living, uh, it's not for me. No, it's not for me. Not. But people who live there. They love it. They True. love it. Yeah. They can uh, they can go overseas. They can yeah. just simply lock the front door and not worry about yeah. the lawn dying and mm. so forth. So, uh, look, there there is definitely a, a shift yeah. in uh, in in lifestyle arrangements. Um, it's obvious all over the world, and we are seeing it just in Burnside mm. alone. Um, you know, it's uh, you know we are a, a supply driven economy we so uh, sorry a, a demand driven yeah. economy so uh, so that's that's where people are heading mm. um, but again you know there's always going to be a market for apartments and there's always going to be you know a, a market for you know people with houses and backyards and, yeah. and so forth I think too when you were talking before about population growth so obviously um, to a degree population growth drives the economy 
And mm. so, um, you know, there's been a lot of conversation of late around the fact that right now, migration and immigration is to a degree at a standstill unless you've got some kind of, you know, special exemption mm. or, mm. you know, a skills sort of shortage or something like that. Um, in Burnside itself, as a, as a council area, you know, how uh, focused are you guys on um, social diversity and inclusion when it comes to economic development? So is that a topic that you can speak to? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's something we talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, we talked about that only at a recent council meeting. Yeah. Uh, we do have a very multicultural society. Mm-hmm. I mean, I live in, in Glenside, mm-hmm. so we've got the Glenunga International High School yeah. just around the corner. So we do have a high proportion of people from, you know, from China, from India, Mm -hmm. Southeast Asia and so forth. So just just walking around Mm. the streets, walking around Burnside Village, you can see that uh, we we do have a very multicultural, you know, diverse um, little, little society. Yeah. And uh, and just looking at the the restaurants Mm. that we have around the area. I mean, just literally around the corner from me again mm-hmm. uh, we've got a lot of um, Italian restaurants yeah. which of course I love <laughs> uh, we've got again you know, some Indian restaurants and Thai and so forth so so we do have we are very I, I like to consider ourselves to be a very multicultural uh, society yeah. the uh, you know Burnside is held in high regard overseas yeah. so when people choose to live in Adelaide um, there are a lot of people who specifically choose the Burnside area to live in mm-hmm. uh, because of, I mean, schools is a big part of it. Yeah. And we do have to thank the Glenunga International Absolutely, High School because they yeah. want the International Baccalaureate. They do, yeah. Um, so, so that's a big driver for mm. our area. But uh, when you just jump on Google and, and speak to migration agents and so forth, Burnside always ranks very highly. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I was having a really interesting conversation uh, with someone from Welcoming Futures the other day and she was talking about the fact that you know, diversity is a fact, but inclusivity is a choice. Do you think that, broadly speaking, are South Australians getting better at being inclusive of the diverse society that we have at our doorstep, or do we still have a long way to go? I think I think we are. I mean, I think as a as a as I think as a, an Australia. Mm-hmm. We are we are getting more inclusive. Yeah. Um, I mean, my dad is naturally Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't. Uh, he was born here. Yeah. Okay. So he he didn't migrate here, mm-hmm. but his parents did migrate here. Yeah. So you know, I have heard these stories mm-hmm. of what my grandparents went through when they migrated in the in the forties. Yeah. Uh, what my dad went through, you know, growing up in high school in the in the sixties, mm-hmm. um, and I just remember, to be honest. You know the sort of things we used to say and do when I was in high school, in or yeah. when I was in school in the in the eighties and nineties. Mm. So it's a very different world, um, and you'd have to say we are certainly a lot more, a lot more inclusive yeah. as a as a society. Do you think it's important? That's a conversation that it's important that we keep having to keep moving towards being less exclusive, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. No. Oh no no! It's, yeah. why, why would you why would you stop? Well, so. yeah, no, I'd absolutely agree with you. But I think often it's um, it's always interesting talking to those older generations in particular. So I think, like you said, as we move through 
Um, we can we grow and evolve. We become more informed. So digital and social media means that we access news much quicker, and we have a much better understanding of people's everyday experience. Um, some of our elder compatriots, and I'll put my mother in that bracket, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, are much um, more removed from that constant flow of information and understanding, and they kind of live in their own world. So I think, you know, it'd be great to see some initiatives, you know, talking back to the library thing. So there's one way you can actually, in some libraries globally, did you know you can borrow a human instead so what they have is people from all different walks of life and you literally go into the library it's a program that they run and you can literally go I would like to sit down with this human and have a conversation so that I can understand their experience and I think maybe there's room for initiatives like that um, to give older people who are perhaps going to those libraries an opportunity to learn something else I'm a uh, I'm a big fan of our community bus program yeah and I mean half the people can drive yeah. You know, half these people are perfectly fine going to the shops on their own, but they they take up the bus program and we promote the bus program uh, to make people uh, more included yeah, nice. in society. So it's not just simply, you know, getting up, getting dressed, going to the shops for, sort of, yeah, for milk and then yeah. coming home and then waiting for the same time next week. It's, it's they make a day of it. Yeah, so they get awesome. to see all their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more, makes life more enjoyable and so forth. We do have, you know, we do have a lot of people who are, are elderly. Mm-hmm. They've, they've probably lost their, their, their partner, yeah. so their husband or their wife. You know, children, of course, are off working and mm-hmm. busy and they've got their own children and so forth. So just, just again, just in my street, in my suburb, you do see people who are, you know, a little bit isolated, yeah. you know, from, from, from the world. And uh, so that's why I'm always encouraging them to, you know, to phone the council, find out what services are available. I'm always, you know, I'm always talking to the staff about our, you know, things like the, the bus program yeah. and so forth and what, what more can we do yeah, nice. uh, to get, you know, people who could be, you know, isolated or borderline mm-hmm. isolated to be to be more engaged in our community. Yeah, nice. It's probably a really good spot to end on, Julian. Thanks okay. very much for joining us today. Uh, and you'll be able to find all of the links to Julian's social media platforms as a counsellor uh, in the comments above. And, uh, yeah, thanks right. very much, Simone, Jill. thanks for having me. Cheers, no worries. Thank you for listening to the Seriously Social podcast. See our website for more details at www.socialmediaaok.com.au slash podcast. Check the show notes for credits, music used in the program, and more details about our guests.